You're listening to Brains On, where we are serious about being curious. Brains On is supported in part by a grant from the National Science Foundation. All right, Mark, let's check this survival kit one more time. Goggles? Yep, a pair for you, Sandin, and a pair for me. Snorkels? Got them. Flashlights? Here? Worm repellent? I really don't think there are actual worms in a space-time wormhole. I said worm repellent. Okay, yes. I have the stuffed bird for scaring away worms. Good. I do not mess with a creature that you can cut in half and it still won't die. That's just, that's just wrong. Hey guys, going on a trip? Yeah, we're gonna go get donut holes. Uh, I think you're overpacking. What he means is we're going to that new place, Black Hole Donuts? Yeah, you know that commercial. Donut holes so dense, you'll think they're made from collapsed stars. The directions say take Highway 5, exit at Bergamont, and then go through the wormhole to find it. Wait. You have to travel through an actual wormhole? I thought those were just theoretical. Like, maybe they exist, but no one has found one yet. Well, we thought so too, but apparently there's one just off the freeway. We have no idea what it's like to go through it, so we're packing to prepare for anything. Yeah. Look, here's what I know. I need those donut holes. I've seen pictures on the internet, and they look amazing. So if I have to travel through a theoretical portal linking two distant points based on complex equations from Einstein's field equations to get them, then so be it. Now, let's finish this checklist. Roger that, buddy. Bring me back a chocolate one. Oh, and glazed. You got it. Okay, emergency flare. Got it. Good. We'll need that if the worms attack. Cash. Check. No, the site specifically says they don't take checks. No, no, no. Wait, I, I said I check, can't check, cash check. the check. No, no, no. I, I need you to get it. I can't. You, I don't have You're listening to Brains On from American Public Media. I'm Molly Bloom, and here with me today is 13-year-old Anwen Winter from Duluth, Minnesota. Hi, Anwen. Hello, Molly. Today, we're talking about wormholes and black holes. And donut holes. Apparently. So, Anwen, what do you picture when I say black hole? I picture this, like, black, like, circle that's, like, completely black, and then everything is just, like, swirling around it, and it's, like, all dark, but, like, super cool, and it's, like, reading all this power and, like, craziness. Yes. So, black holes are, like, these mysterious pits in the universe. Things fall into them and never come out. Not even light can escape. They are totally bananas. Yes. Wormholes are more like tunnels that can take you across the universe. The idea is you'd enter in one place and come out somewhere totally different. Maybe on the other side of town or maybe the other side of the galaxy. Wormholes are also totally bananas. Too true. We know black holes exist because we've found some, but we haven't found any wormholes yet. Some scientists think they are possible and are looking for proof. But since we don't know what it's like to go through one, your guess is as good as mine. And you all sent us some pretty amazing guesses. I think traveling through a wormhole is like being squished into a ball and sucked through a tube surrounded by slowly blinking lights. Everything will be rotating and you will be traveling super fast. Everything would be blue, purple, and red all in different places. I think you would be going faster than the speed of light, lighting many colored blues passing by you like every second or two. And you'd see a bunch of auroras and 
rainbows. I think when you're traveling through a wormhole, you see rainbow hula hoops all around you, and it feels like you're going down a giant water slide. At the other side of the rainbow would be the end of the wormhole. Those colorful wormhole depictions come to us from listeners Connor, Milo, Abe, Amina, Charlotte, Aiden, and Ian. We'll talk more about wormholes later, but first, Anwen, you wrote in to us with some questions about black holes. Do you remember what they were? Yes, I do. They were, what are black holes? Who discovered them? How did they discover them? And where do things go when they go into a black hole? How did you get interested in black holes? Well, I remember reading a book in, like, second grade, and I was like, wow, these are, like, stuff of legend. And I was, like, totally into them, and I just read everything I could. And I didn't understand a lot of it, but I I still found them quite inspiring. Are you still interested in them? Oh, yeah. Are you interested in space in general or black holes in particular? Both, really. So what is your favorite thing to think about about space? That everything might have, like, one sentence, like, center. Everything might be working perfectly together in this crazy, like, space-time amazingness sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's amazing. It is really mind-blowing. It's really kind of hard to wrap your mind around, but yeah. really fun to think about. Yeah, it's kind of beautiful. Mm-hmm. Do you know what you want to be when you're an adult? Well, I kind of want to be, like, a space scientist. Like, well... Just someone who, like, just observes or looks for something. Or I kind of want to be a professional harpist, which would be kind of awesome. So. Maybe you could do both. Yeah, maybe I could. You could be an astrophysicist who plays the harp. Yes. You can go on the road, and you, your tour just happens to go by all of the giant telescopes. <laughs> That'd be awesome. Well, let's see if we can shed some light on black holes. Black holes happen when you have a super huge, mega giant amount of stuff crammed into a super tiny, infinitely small amount of space. We call that stuff mass. You have mass. I have mass. Trees have mass. But black holes have a lot of mass. So I'll tell you my very favorite analogy. Meet Daryl Haggard. She studies black holes at McGill University. If you were to take our whole entire Earth, all of the buildings, all of the people, all of the plants, trees, animals, oceans, and squish the whole thing down into the size of a sugar cube, our Earth would become a black hole. Whoa, that is like one extreme sugar cube. Totally. When something has a lot of mass like this, we say it is very dense. And the cores of black holes are super duper intense. Dense. In fact, many have a mass that is 10 times greater than our own sun. Others have the mass of like 100 suns, or 1,000 suns, or more. When something is that dense and has that much mass, you can bet it also has super gravitational powers. Which brings us to this question. Hi, I'm Ashton from Tampa, Florida, and my question is, how do black holes trap light? The reason we call it a black hole is that when you make things that compact, even light is like trapped in the gravitational pull of the black hole. So light can't get out. Light is made of these little packets called photons. And normally those photons fly around as if gravity doesn't affect them. Hey, gravity, can't touch this. Ha ha! 
came through zip and zip zip came through zip and zip zip hey i'm i'm stuck what gives i can't zip out of this hole black holes have super gravity powerful enough to trap even a photon of light so we actually don't have any um, information coming back out of the black hole because the light is sort of trapped in there the same way we're sort of stuck down by gravity to our Earth. Which actually brings up an interesting point. Black holes don't suck. They are not like a vacuum cleaner. You might think they suck. They're often drawn that way with swirls of stuff spiraling around them like water going down a drain. And stuff does swirl around a black hole's edge, like gases. We call that edge the event horizon, by the way. Which is a totally awesome name. Right? Everything about them is so awesome. Anyway, the black hole isn't sucking things in so much as stuff is just being pulled by its gravity. Like how you or I would be pulled down if we fell off something. And that gravity is so intense, nothing gets out of a black hole. No sights. No smells. No sounds. Nada. What happens in black holes stays in black holes. We'll talk more about black holes in a minute, but right now, let's hit pause and take a listen to the... Are you ready, Anwen? Yes. All right, here it is. Okay. Do you have any guesses? Is it a rainforest waterfall? That is an excellent guess. Yeah, there's a lot of like rushing Yeah, and there's sounds. like animal sounds in the mm-hmm. background. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, we are going to hear it again in just a little bit. Coming up, how are black holes made and where are those donut holes we were promised? We'll have answers and hopefully baked goods. So stay tuned. Do you have a question you'd like to have answered on Brains On? Or maybe you have a mystery sound or a drawing? Send them our way. You can head to brainson.org slash contact. That's what this listener did. Hi, my name is Emma. I'm from Reading, Connecticut, and I wonder why goat's pupils look like thin lines instead of circular balls like other mammals and animals. We'll have an answer to that during our moment of um at the end of the show and the most recent group of listeners to be added to the Brain's Honor Roll. Keep listening. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org academy. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. 
They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy. You're listening to Brains On. I'm Molly. And I'm Anwin. And I am hungry for a donut. I hope Mark and Sandon survive that trip through the wormhole. Me too. I mean, because they are our friends. Not just for donut reasons. But also kind of for donut reasons. Yeah. Hey, let's imagine their journey with the help of some more creative brainiacs. Let's hear what they think it's like in a wormhole. When you go through a wormhole, it's probably like a flash of light. And then it just blinds you because it's so fast. Your eyes would just kind of stop working. And then you would go into it as you started twisting, really, really twisting. You might be in a different world and you might be a different thing. And then you're in a whole other place or city. If I was traveling through a wormhole, it would be fun. Wormholes to me feel like you're just floating in beds made out of tacos. Bye! Since they are theoretical, wormholes can be anything, even beds made out of tacos. Thanks to listeners Bear, Ian, Bradley, Ayana, Evan, Levi, and Frederick for sending in those wormhole thoughts. Brains, brains, brains. Okay, Anwen, let's go back to that mystery sound again. And as you're listening... I'm just going to give you a little hint. It is worm-related. It is? Mm-hmm. Okay. So here it is. I still have no idea. Um, <laughs> it, oh, wow. Um, could it be like a worm colony watering their gardens? Mm, I, I like have it. no idea. They have little tiny watering cans. Yes. Yeah, going... I like the idea of that it's a lot of worms together, though. Yeah. All right. Here is the answer. Hi, I'm Cameron from Port Macquarie, Australia. That was the sound of silkworms eating mulberry leaves. Oh, that's really cool. <laughs> the sound reminds me of rain pattering on the window. They only eat leaves from the mulberry trees, so we had to find trees in our neighbourhood to collect leaves from. They are very hungry and eat about 20 large leaves a day till they spin their silk into a cocoon before emerging as a moth. They are quite fascinating. And not a wormhole. I mean, they are making wormholes yeah. in the leaves. <laughs> in the leaves. So wormhole. It's a, it's a kind of wormhole. So today we've been hearing some mind-blowing facts about black holes. But scientists didn't always know this much about them. In fact, it took centuries for us to start figuring out these mysterious space pits. Producer Manika Wilhelm has some backstory for us. I hope you guys like puzzles as much as you like donuts, because that's kind of what the history of black holes is like. A bunch of scientists building a big, honking jigsaw puzzle. Without the box. No picture. 
At first, they didn't even know the puzzle they were building would lead to a black hole. So, like, a 5,000-piece puzzle? Hmm, I'm not sure exactly how many pieces this puzzle has, but so far, it's taken, well, 50, 75, 200, over 200 years and counting. I asked someone who's studying the history of black holes to give us the lowdown. Hi, my name is Carla Rodriguez Almeida. Carla says the story of this black hole puzzle starts way back in 1784, just a few years after America got its independence. When Hamilton wasn't a musical, he was just a real living person. Across the ocean, in England, there was a curious thinker named John Mitchell. How do you do? Care for some tea? Or perhaps four or five hours of me talking about my theories? (laughs) I have many. Mitchell had ideas about earthquakes and gravity and stars. He was the first person who wrote about something like a black hole. The idea was part of this thought experiment. I've been thinking, if you take a star, and suppose it were roughly 500 times bigger than the sun, do you follow? Then you can imagine... What Mitchell predicted was that there would be a star so massive... So then anything escaping the star would have to go faster than the speed of light. No light would ever leave. And so they would appear to be black. And (laughs) I've come up with a name for these objects. As the opposite of light, I call them dark stars. But no one else really cared about Mitchell's idea. So the idea of dark stars was dropped. But Mitchell was right that a giant dense star would trap all light. He just didn't have it totally figured out. Ah, drat. I thought surely I'd cracked that one. Mitchell's problem was that he was trying to put together this big puzzle, and he didn't have all the pieces. Some of the pieces he was missing were the rules of the universe that we know now. Mitchell knew about density and mass, but scientists still had a lot to learn about the way gravity and light work. The other missing pieces were equipment and machines that would be able to search the cosmos and pick up distant signals. In Mitchell's day, there weren't many ways to actually measure those things in space. So let's fast forward to the 1960s. There are TVs. Recorded in front of a live studio audience. And cars now. And giant, slow computers. Like computers as big as a room. More of the pieces of the black hole puzzle are coming together. Physicists have figured out more of the rules about gravity and light, some of those missing puzzle pieces, And they've put those rules into equations. You know, an equation is a math formula, like A times B equals C. They've developed lots of equations that explain the laws of physics. There are also better machines to help measure and understand stuff we discover in space. Those other missing pieces. And when scientists put all those new puzzle pieces together, they started discovering really, really, really big stars. I never thought we'd find such a dense object out in space. This is denser than anything we've ever seen before. So dense, right? The densest! Oh wait, is that one over there even denser? And they had questions about those giant dense stars. Why are they so heavy? To find out, they were using these machines to pick up signals from very far away. Radio telescopes. And also computer simulations. The computer simulations are kind of like Fortnite. An entire world inside a computer. 
And physicists could use the simulations to watch how stars and galaxies form and change according to the rules of the universe. The computer said that black holes could happen. And so between the computer simulations and the very dense stars found by radio telescopes, some physicists were pretty sure that black holes were out there. But they were calling them completely collapsed objects. Zero points for style on that one. It's so dense, it must be a completely collapsed object. Not everyone was on board. Have you lost your mind? We don't know that. Are you dense? What else could it be? Also, are we ever going to get a better name for these things? Completely collapsed object doesn't just roll off the tongue. Why do we need a better name for an object that isn't real? I don't think you're real. We don't make stuff up yeah. here. We take Completely notes. collapsed well, object? That's far worse than dark star. You'd think nearly 200 years would improve the name, not make it worse. Don't worry, John Mitchell. A different guy named John, the physicist John Wheeler, helped change the name in the late 60s. He just got tired of saying completely collapsed object. Someone suggested black holes and he liked it. And everybody started using it. So by 1970, black holes finally had their new name. That same year, scientists Stephen Hawking and Roger Penrose also put an important piece of the black hole puzzle together. They checked how well black holes followed the rules of the universe and came up with a theory that said that black holes do exist. They're just hiding behind their event horizons, that edge around a black hole. They came and said, yeah, this is it, and uh, there's no other way. So that was a big deal. Scientists had been putting more and more puzzle pieces together over the past 200 years, and the picture was really starting to take shape. But something was still missing. The strongest proof of black holes arrived in 2015, when a machine called LIGO made a big discovery. LIGO has one name, but it's actually two giant detectors. One is in Washington state, and the other is in Louisiana. The detectors have arms that are 2.5 miles long. And together, they measured gravitational waves from two black holes colliding. This was huge for the black hole puzzle. LIGO's measurements were actual proof. Score one for space science. Still, it took hundreds of years and tons of scientists all over the world working to find this proof. And it never would have happened if it weren't for all those other pieces falling into place first. Wow. Thanks for the background, Manika. You are totally welcome. Here's the crazy thing. More puzzle pieces are still coming together. At this point, scientists have found multiple kinds of black holes. We are going to get into other kinds of black holes in a bit. But first, we have a message from a new sponsor. What's better than donuts? Donut holes. What's better than donut holes? Nothing! Hey, everyone. It's me, celebrity chef, extreme baker, and spiky hair hatter, Griff Jenkins! And I'm Benny, Griff's assistant. I also have hair. We love donuts, but most shops leave out the best part, the hole. That's why we opened up Griffin Bay's Black Hole Donuts. Because black holes are cool, and so are donut holes. Using my patented technique of baking with extreme righteousness. He means whole wheat flour. I've managed to make donut holes so dense. They're like a singularity in your mouth. 
got plenty of flavors, too, like Double Fudge Cosmic Cocoa Bomb. Extreme Chocolate. Vanilla Peanut Butter Bacon Saturn Swirl. Gnarly Flavor Combo with Custard Filling. Plain Donuts. Righteously Unadventurous. And my favorite, Spring Lavender and Wild Honey. The floral notes are intense. <laughs> so come on down, Black Hole Donuts. Hole so dense, no light can escape. Donuts will not collapse all nearby matter. Light can actually escape them. Floral notes are not actually intense, but rather beautifully understated and refreshing. Find us just off Bergamont Drive, straight through the wormhole. So how do scientists find black holes? Dr. Chung-Pei Ma is here to help us. She's an astrophysicist and a black hole hunter from UC Berkeley. Welcome, Chung-Pei. Hi. So I have a few questions here, and my first one is, how do black holes form? Black holes form when gravity becomes so great that the opposing force cannot resist it anymore. So you know, something like a ball of gas, like a very, very big sun, when the force at the center of the sun starts to uh, be overwhelmed by the gravitational pull, then it collapses onto itself and into a point. And that's when a black hole forms. Oh, that's super cool. Wow. You've discovered supermassive black holes. How big are they and how far away are they? We call these supermassive black holes because they are supermassive. And by that, we mean uh, we like to compare the mass to the mass of the sun, our own star, which is by itself already very, very big. And we like to use a solar mass, the mass of the sun, as a unit, like how you know you would use a pound as a unit to, to weigh ourselves. So in the units of uh, the sun, these black holes, the biggest ones that I have found, they have a mass about 20 billion times that of the sun. And they are at a distance of um, millions and millions of light years away from, this, from the Earth. So a light year is a distance light can travel in one year. And that's, you know, many hundreds of thousands of miles and these are at millions and millions of light years away. So they are pretty far, but given the size of the universe, it's still pretty close to our, you know, to our home. Makes me feel small. <laughs> <laughs> so why are some black holes bigger than others? That's a great question. Um, and, you know, why are some kids bigger than other kids? Bigger parents tended to make, you know, bigger kids, but that's not always true. That's nature. And there's also nurture, right? The more uh, candy bars you eat, you may get a little bigger than your friends. The more spinach you eat, you may get a little taller than your friends. Same thing for black holes. We're not sure, but there's nurture and there's nature. So for the nature part, we think some black holes may have been formed from, you know, there's a collapsed end product of a bigger, more massive gas cloud. This is like bigger parents. But then some black holes are more voracious than others as they grew. And black holes grow by gobbling up gas. You know, just just a lot of... Yum, yum, yum. Yum, 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 gas. You know, like Oreo cookies. So in some parts of the universe... 
it seems like they're just more Oreo cookies. So these black holes, you know, they may have started out being small, but as they grew, you know, they got billions of years to grow, to get big. And some of them ate a lot of spinach or Oreo cookies, whichever way, and they ended up big. And some may just be big because they start off big. And this is a very important question we're trying to answer, nature versus nurture. And we think both matter. So how do you get interested in black holes? I was just always fascinated by the night sky and the universe when I was around um, your age. Um, I really liked just you know, looking out. And then I also really, really liked math. I just enjoy how I could get it an answer, you know, that's either right or wrong. It's very clear cut. And then later on, when I was about 12 or 13, I realized that, you know, I was taking biology, chemistry, physics, but I really liked physics because I felt I could use math as a language to understand the physical, you know, the universe around me. And that's when I decided I wanted to become an astrophysicist, yeah, when I was about 12 or 13. Well, thanks, Chungpei. This is really awesome, and I'm thank you for taking your time to talk to us. No problem. Yeah, if you ever have any other questions about the black hole or about the universe, you know where to find me. We've been hearing throughout the episode your wormhole travel dreams, but just like black holes used to be, they are totally theoretical. There is no proof that wormholes exist in our universe. But they are mathematically possible given our understanding of the laws of physics. And this all has to do with the fabric of space-time. Imagine a stretchy sheet of fabric, like a big stretchy blanket. This is how scientists sometimes imagine the universe. There are three dimensions for physical space. Those are the three dimensions that we can move in. Forward and backwards, left and right, up and down. And then a fourth dimension, time. These dimensions make up the fabric of space-time. So first, let's talk about what a black hole does to our blanket of space-time. Black holes are like putting something very dense on this fabric. Let's imagine a bowling ball. What would happen to this fabric if we set a big, heavy bowling ball on it? Well, either it would, like, sink down or it would, like, smash through. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. So in the case of space-time, it sinks down and it makes a big dip or a hole in the fabric. That's why things fall into a black hole. Okay, so let's take this bowling ball off the fabric. Now imagine folding this fabric like the way you fold a blanket to put it away. Suddenly, two blanket corners that were on opposite ends of the blanket before are right on top of each other now. So what if there was a hole or tunnel connecting one layer of fabric to the other? That's what a wormhole is. So that tunnel could make a shortcut between two spots on the fabric that are normally very far apart. Cool, right? But alas, they remain theoretical. And there are some reasons why traveling through one of these theoretical space-time tunnels might not work. First of all, scientists have never found the kind of matter that would be needed to hold open the wormhole. We don't know if it can be found anywhere in the universe. And no one knows if they'd be stable. Even if you could find the right matter to make one, the smallest jiggle might make it collapse. 
Scientists are still exploring the idea of wormholes, and until they're proven to exist, we can let our imaginations run wild, just like many science fiction writers have done, and our listeners. I think traveling through a wormhole would look like blue and purple galaxy slime all around. I think everything would be in sort of a slow motion, and you would feel rubbery, like when you touch to your skin. And then you would still feel a lot of tickling. And you might come out diff- looking different than you were. I think it would smell like burning metal and rubber because that's not a pleasant smell. And then you would go at hyperspeed and then you would fall back into a blob of space. I think you might see things that it had swallowed, like stars and space junk. I think it's like just like a swirl through existence and then just like go to like a different place in time. I feel like it would spin you upside down in slow-mo, but you would be floating because you were in space. Special thanks to Elle, Dylan, Frederick, and Will for sending in those wormhole word pictures to us. Okay, well, that's it for this. Hey, hey, wait, we made it back with donuts! The donuts survived! I mean... You guys survived. Nice job. (laughs) Yeah, it turns out there was no space-time wormhole at all. Black Hole Donuts was just a pop-up donut stand at the back of a bait shop called the Wormhole. That is a very strange place for a donut stand. Cheap rent, I guess. Anyway, dig in, everybody! Sandin, you're not eating? I've lost my appetite. The horrors I saw. Worms. So, so many worms everywhere. And, and you, you never know which ends their butt and which ends their mouth. I mean, how can you trust a creature like that? I don't think I'll ever eat a... Oh, wait. Uh, is that, is that a strawberry one over there? Actually, can I can I just take one little bite of that? Mm. I'll take a twist. Oh, and save me that chocolate. Oh, and definitely the lemon sticky, fireball swirl. I don't even care. I gotta try just that one. one. <gasps> can I have that? No, I want to have it. No, you can have it. Black holes are spots in the universe filled with super-dense materials. They have so much gravity that nothing can escape them, not even light. The idea of a black hole was proposed over 200 years ago, but it was only recently we were able to get proof of them. And wormholes are theoretical tunnels in the fabric of space-time that haven't been proven to exist. Black holes are spots in the universe filled with super-dense materials. They are formed when stars collapse. That's it for this episode of Brains On. Brains On is produced by Molly Bloom, Mark Sanchez, and Sandin Totten. A special hello to our fellow Manica Wilhelm. We had production help from Caroline Champlin and engineering help from Corey Streppel and Veronica Rodriguez. Special thanks to Shara Chandra, Sarah Winter, Adia Winter, John Miller, Eric Ringham, Chris Greenspawn, and Lisa Brenner. Brains On is a nonprofit public radio podcast, and your support helps keep the show going. You can donate and see our cool thank you gifts at brainson.org slash donate. Now, before we go, it's time for our moment of I wonder why goats' pupils look like thin lines instead of circular balls like other mammals and animals. So with a horizontal pupil, that allows the goat to see more widely in front of them, to the side of them, and behind them along the ground. And that's useful because that's where an animal that might be hunting them would be likely to come from. Hi, I'm Martin Banks. I'm a professor of optometry and vision science at UC Berkeley. The 
horizontal pupil, like a line, is actually pretty common among mammals, particularly common among mammals that are herbivorous, that is that they live on the ground and they eat plants. Cows, sheep, goats, horses all have the horizontal line pupil. It's predators, mammalian predators, that tend to have circular pupils or vertical line pupils. There are other pupils that we just find kind of interesting and bizarre in the animal kingdom. The octopus and, and related animals have a W-shaped pupil. And there are some reptiles, like the gecko, that when its pupil stops down, closes down to either three or four small holes. Those are really interesting pupil shapes, so we just don't have a really good idea about why they have that shape. Um, um. My eyes are focused on this list of names in front of me. These are the amazing listeners who are about to be added to the Brains Honor Roll. They keep this show going by sending us their brilliant ideas, questions, mystery sounds, and drawings. Jack from Denver, Carter from Fremont, California, Francis from North Bend, Oregon, Nathan from Snohomish, Washington, Max from Seattle, Julia from San Jose, California, Clementine from Newcastle, Washington, Mariam and Zainab from Mississauga, Ontario, Drew and Thomas from Lansdale, Pennsylvania, Soren and Finley from Niles, Michigan, Owen from Milwaukee, Sophia from Portland, Oregon, Judd and Zeke from Flagstaff, Arizona. Tuesday and Abel from Wollonga, Australia, Max and Sam from Rockville, Maryland, Ivy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, Thea from Hawks Bay, Australia, Sasha, Raina, and Tristan from Weymouth, Massachusetts, Parker from Trumbull, Connecticut, Clara from Sydney, Australia, Kai who lives on the road, Noah and Gavin from Patterson, California, Zoe from Cortland Manor, New York, Charlie from Kearney, Nebraska, Sophie from Las Vegas, Escher from Olympia, Washington, Abigail and Hannah from Washington, D.C., Zeke and Isaac from Atlanta, Lila and Rebecca from Charlotte, North Carolina, Owen and Parker from Cottage Grove, Oregon, Carol from Sacramento, Lucas from Maryland, Arwen from Los Angeles, Anna and Nathaniel from Havertown, Pennsylvania, Logan and Skyler from Toronto, Caridad and Martine from Caracas, Venezuela, Eli and Meg from Boston, Waylon and Ennis from Taos, New Mexico, Ayanch and Drishia from San Diego, Eddie, Connor, Tori and George from Aurelia, Ontario, Lulu from Vancouver, Alistair and Henrietta from Onalaska, Wisconsin, Rachel and Max from Villanova, Pennsylvania, Alani and Ezekiel from Lakewood, Colorado, Luke and Simon from North Vancouver, Grace from Easton, Maryland, Sawyer from Portland, Oregon, Keegan from Buchanan, West Virginia, Evangeline from Edmonton, August from Walnut Creek, California, Peyton and Jackson from Kamloops, British Columbia, and Maya from Rochester, Minnesota. Thanks for listening.